0: Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Baseball Mainly. Baseball Mainly. Baseball Mainly. Baseball Mainly.
1: Welcome to Baseball Mainly. And welcome to Baseball Mainly. <laughs> welcome to Baseball Mainly. We got a, a very special episode <laughs> today with uh, two special guests: one via the phone, and uh, one here in the studio. And uh, <laughs> we've already gotten into it before the show, and you know, sitting to my left is. As always, Corey Stewart. This is going to be a great episode. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm so about? happy hey, about we, this can episode. Put, can we
2: put the oh, mute look on? Jess <laughs> is at the door. We oh, got look at that. Got a Tom at That's great. I love yeah. it. Yeah, come on in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, come on in,
2: yeah. Come on in, man. Yeah. Come on come in. In, come in, come in, man. Oh, no, yo, Oh, are you going to go get the food?
0: Oh, Jesus, man. Well, this is going to be, yeah, like you said, this is going to be a great episode. Jess isn't here today. No, he's Where Where is he? He's He's down at he,
2: fantasy camp,
0: right? Oh, okay. You know, yeah.
2: Fantasyland, Fantasyland. Fantasy camp. Camp.
0: He's trying out for the 2012 Tigers. So there you go. We're going back in time. Yes. We no, are. I'm sorry. 2020. Wow. <laughs> oh,
1: <okay. laughs> I forgot what year it was. I mean, 2012 was a great year. I mean, yeah. if you want to go back, I'm all for it. Sure. But yeah. then we got to, you know, play back into the years that we're in right now. Right. That's well, well, right. Introduce who our guest in studio is. So our guest in studio is uh, known around here as. Peter Perlman, or Ethan's father, or I'm known as Peter Perlman Jr. <laughs> Not at all. Um, Not at all. I love it. So, You're your own man. So here we go. Uh, Peter Perlman, chairman of uh, NRM. Streamcast. Stream, well, okay. TM. TM, TM. Yep. Or, 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 new, or New Radio Media LLC. Uh-huh. Keep going. There's I a mean, lot. I mean, Sir you know, King, you know. you know. We've done
2: it all. Yeah. We, 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 you know, we sweep the floors. We do make our own coffee here. We do. You we bring got, your own coffee. We got to do please, <laughs> You know. Listen, on our other show that we do here at NRM Streamcast periodically, coffee is the staple. It is totally so you know but you got a lot going on in this wonderful place here oh by the way welcome to the show ethan <laughs> wow uh, thank Corey, you you know it's great having you on <laughs> oh and, uh, peter uh, i love joining it ethan it's here at the great. show this is so, fantastic uh, you got a special guest coming on the air yeah here. and
1: actually we have him on the phone right now i'd like to introduce spencer schmitz uh former college baseball coach and currently working as an upper extremities sales rep uh, spencer how you doing
3: good good to join you guys how you guys doing today
0: Oh, this is good. This is great. This is
3: great, Spence. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> doing well. Doing well.
2: I feel like you're back in my office having an interview.
3: I know that was uh, a little over a year ago, so that was a uh, that was a really useful conversation for me as I was transitioning from the coaching world to uh, get into medical sales. So uh, I really enjoyed it. And learned a lot spending time with you there.
2: Well, I do understand that in today's show, they are going to quiz you on baseball history, so you better be prepared. And no phones on Google <laughs> okay. are allowed. No calling the senior manager of the team at Bowling Green. Um, right. You're on your own here, buddy. Yeah,
1: and um, before, before we, though, get into the, uh, the baseball trivia of the day, you know, I want to talk with you really quickly about, you know, your experience in baseball um, and kind of let's start with your playing days uh, at college. Kind of let us know what that was all like back when you uh, played at Bowling Green.
3: Well, uh, when I played, I started in uh, so sort of my freshman year was two thousand one, and then I went through two thousand four. Um, I was a you know average average player. Um, you know, coming out of college, I basically had two offers. Um, one was to play at Bowling Green, um, which obviously was under my dad. And the other was to to play at Eastern Michigan University, which um, you know when we were making a decision I'm sure if it would be a good idea to play you know um, for my dad but uh, moving you know through the decision making and everything we decided it would be you know be a fun opportunity and uh, so I did that and I got a chance to play with you know some really good players and part of some really good teams um, you know wasn't a superstar by any means but uh, you know was more of a role player um, played second base shortstop um, DH'd quite a bit in my career uh, of all things even though I wasn't necessarily a power hitter um you know but uh but yeah it was a great experience and was a was part of a mac championship team in 2002 and um you know got a chance to play with some some really good players there in the early 2000s
1: and then you you jump from your playing days and you uh go into coaching kind of tell us what the transition period was like from being a player to then transitioning into uh, a college coach
3: Yeah, you know, I got right into it. So as soon as uh, my playing career got done, uh, that first summer, you know, I knew I wasn't going to play professional baseball. uh, So just kind of got right into coaching. So I jumped aboard with Dave Whitmire, who used to be an assistant coach with Bowling Green State University. Um, He was coaching a Legion team in Northwest Ohio, um, White White House Legion. So um, got right into it with him and was a Legion assistant coach for for that summer. I believe that was the summer of 2004. Uh, just kind of worked right into it from there. Um, my first full time job was two thousand six seven with Longwood University, um, so it it happened pretty quick. Uh, you know, went from the Legion thing, um, was an undergrad assistant at Bowling Green for one year, and then uh, got into involved in Longwood. That was my first full time position.
2: So Longwood University, why don't we share with everybody at NRM Streamcast where is it located at?
3: So that's uh. Just west of Richmond, Virginia, I'm um, in a small town called Farmville, Virginia. Um, so it's the, the town itself is exciting as it sounds. Uh, not a whole lot going on, but the university itself is, uh, is beautiful. Um, I kind of liken it to, um, for those of you who spent any time on um, Miami of Ohio's um, campus um, down there in Oxford, very similar, um, all red brick, brick buildings, um, great little campus. Um, but, yeah, just the surrounding town was was just basically a little downtown area and a couple fast food places, and that was it.
2: And what did you garner from that first year as being an assistant coach?
3: Uh, you know, I knew that I was halfway decent at it. Um, we had a really young team, um, very very talented group uh, of just freshmen and sophomores, and uh, it was actually the program's first year of of being Division One eligible. So they were moving up from the Division Two level, and. Uh, we had an outstanding season. Um, finished, I think, with about 35 wins that year, and had uh, several players that you know had outstanding years, and eventually would go on to uh, play in professional baseball. But uh, they were just a great group to coach. So it was one of those one of those groups where you know they they bought in right away to what what we were trying to teach, and. Uh, you know, competed really hard, so it was just a, a great overall experience um, being down there for the year. And um, it was it was really really a fun fun group to to just be with every day. And uh, that was what I knew. You know, doing that, that I, I could you know make a career out of this and be and be successful coaching.
0: That's fantastic, Spencer. Did you find when you know going from being a player and and you seemed like you were a tool guy, which like had a lot of ability to. To play baseball but then going from that to you know coaching and managing did you find it difficult or easy or did you find was it like a hard transition for you when it when it came to going from player to manager kind of role
3: you know it it really wasn't uh too difficult for me Uh, you know the biggest thing was i kind of had a pretty good eye for just helping guys make adjustments um you know and that was that's what kind of got me, you know, started when I, you know, obviously didn't have a lot of experience. I would just kind of pick my spots and, you know, grab guys individually and try to, you know, help them out here or there. And uh, when guys started having success, that obviously gave me a little bit more confidence and, um, you know, not being afraid to voice my opinion on things. Um, you know, when guys needed to make adjustments or, you know, team wise, strategy wise, um, anything like that. So. Um, it wasn't it wasn't too difficult now obviously i've been around baseball my whole life um you know growing up you know in college baseball basically since i was you know six and seven years old um so i've been around it a lot obviously gained a lot of experience just being around my dad being in the dugout um so it came pretty natural so, so
1: speaking of your dad, um, he's still coaching. And when you, you know, made the transition from player to coach, was there any piece of advice that he gave you that kind of has really stuck with you?
3: Um, it was, I used to just try not to be, you know, too hard on the on the kids. Um, not that I was ever like a huge screamer or yeller or whatever, but um, he always, you know, especially an assistant coach, you know, his biggest thing was try to stay positive and, you know, really just communicate with the guys um, because, you know, as a head coach, obviously, that relationship's going to be a little bit different. You know, a lot of times they're not going to be as, you know, players aren't going to be as comfortable talking to a head coach and, um, just because of the, you know, dynamic of the relationship. Um, so it was really important as an assistant, you know, his biggest thing was just, you know, stay positive, talk to the kids, you know, kind of have a pulse of where they're at with things and, and that'll serve you well.
1: And so now you're out of coaching and you're working as an upper extremities sales representative for Wright Medical. Um, what kind of, you know, what were you kind of thinking when you decided that you wanted to leave coaching and how did you find the, the medical field?
3: Yeah, when I was making this trans- transition, um, you know, my last job, I was at Eastern Michigan for four years with our uh, head coach left kind of the middle of my last year. And uh I just wasn't really enjoying it um, at Eastern Michigan as I did my previous stops, um, whether that be Longwood or Bowling Green or even the University of Akron when I was there one year. Um so I just kinda knew that it was it was time to start working to make a transition. Um whether that be just leaving Eastern Michigan and staying in coaching or um, finding a new new job. Um, one of my best friends uh, was the former pitching coach at Akron. Um, he's a really good pitcher for Kent State in the early 2000s, or late 2000s, I'm sorry, Cal Smith, and uh, he had made the transition in medical sales, and so that's where I kind of started looking, just because he said that, uh, you know, he thought it would be something that I would be able to transition into and have some success, and uh, so just got some resumes out there and was lucky enough to, to find a company in Wright Medical that, really was wasn't looking for somebody with a lot of experience but looking for somebody with um, you know a lot of the qualities that you know you'd have as a former college athlete or former college coach um, you know outgoing not afraid to talk to people um, you know the ability to learn and pick up new skills so it's been a whirlwind the last uh, you know 15 months but it's been a really good transition and and um, I'm really enjoying it so it's been a good challenge for me
1: well, that's that's great to hear, and uh, we're gonna keep you on for the the rest of the you know talk show, and we're gonna keep talking about. First, we're gonna jump to uh, history
2: in baseball. Well, I have a question for him. Okay, I got a yep. question. What is the reasoning that a coach, when going to the mound, has to jump over the white line?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is nothing but superstition. Uh, I will say that, that I was the same way. I don't know. I don't know where the superstition started, but I always jumped over the white line <laughs> every time, whether I was coaching the bases or whether I was going to the mound to make a pitching change. Or uh, I always, always jumped over that foul line.
0: Started started your rhythm. Started you, you know, yeah. That's, no, that's totally understandable, Spencer. That's totally understandable. And the, and the
2: other question is, have you ever been thrown out of a game?
3: I've actually been thrown out of several games. Uh, so, especially when I first started coaching, I was maybe a little aggressive towards umpires if I thought that, uh, you know, my guys were getting shorted and was maybe a little bit more vocal than I should have been. Uh, as I progressed in my career, I kind of, um, you know, Backed off a little bit and learned uh, to calm down and maybe just try to talk to the umpires as opposed to yell from the dugout. But, uh, but yeah, I had a few incidents where I got thrown out. I mean, nothing nothing too crazy, but just... Uh, well, I'm,
2: you know. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I would be so afraid if Ethan went into coaching versus being the student manager of the team. <laughs> I mean, he would have been sitting in the car yeah. for every game. I I, I, w- I will. Admit, I mean, a high spirited young man. Let me tell you. <laughs> Hold
1: on. I, I do. I do have to point out. Here we out, go. Oh, here we I, go. I, I do have to point out. I forget who we were playing. Oh boy. It was sophomore. It was my second year at BG, being a part of the Bowling Green, uh, you know, coaching staff, and I was in the dugout. There was a play at first. They they called him out and. Um, I remember your your dad went out to argue with the first base umpire, and I'm talking to one of the players and saying like, you know, he's clearly safe, and another umpire standing right next to me, and he gave uh-huh. me a warning. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna warning. keep I'm gonna keep my <laughs> mouth shut, and yep. uh, for the rest of that game, I don't think I said a word because I'm
0: like, <laughs> he's gonna say something and they're gonna toss me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh
2: huh. Oh man. Now, did your dad ever put you up uh, in the microphone to, like, uh, introduce players like Ethan did?
3: Uh, I never had to, to do that, no. That was one thing that I, I never did. You talk about it in the press box, yeah, right? yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know, welcome to fall
3: baseball seasons. game. Nope, never did that one.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay. Yep, so let's dive into this day in baseball history, 1979. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe this is the first time we had a free agent signing... That was over a million dollars per year, and this was Nolan Ryan agreeing to a four point four, four year deal with Gosh, the Astros. That's that's
0: nothing. That today. was the
1: first time a player was to earn a million dollars per
2: year. And I can remember when Al Kaline said to the Detroit Tigers, "You want to pay me a hundred thousand dollars just to stand out here in right field and mm-hmm. say hi to the fans?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he w- he didn't even want to take that money back right. then. Right. I mean he'd be he'd be laughing to the bank right about
1: now if he was I mean, still sure. playing right now,
2: but he's it's just interesting how Sports has changed from being sports to an entertainment field, mm-hmm. and this yeah. is entertainment revenue, not yeah. sports revenue. No, right. And I think there's a big difference between the there's a huge difference. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, people are getting paid a lot of money nowadays compared to you know mm-hmm.
1: 1979. So this next one, I'm gonna throw a trivia question here in here with it. So Mike Schmidt joined, joins Roy Campanella and Stan Musial, becoming only the third player in National League history to win the MVP three times. What college did Mike Schmidt go to? Boom, 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 boom,
2: boom, boom, boom. That one I don't know. I got that one. All right, yep. we'll go to number three for that answer, please.
3: <laughs> so he played at Ohio University.
2: Yep. Yeah. Wow. That yep. oh, was a trick question.
3: I mean, it wasn't yeah. a
2: trick question. His
1: numbers retired at Ohio. <laughs> it was out there in, uh, in left field on their, uh, on their wall. But, yeah, if you, if you know Mid-American Conference Baseball, you know Mike Schmidt is one of the you know prime, prime players to mm. have come out of mm. that conference. Very nice. And then finally we jump to 2001. In a landslide vote, Giants left fielder Barry Bonds receives 30 of 32 first-place votes cast to win his un- win his fourth MVP award, uh, passing you know guys who had won three MVPs: Yogi Berra, Roy Campanella, Joe DiMaggio, J- Jimmy Fox, Mickey Mantle, Stan Musial, and Mike Schmidt. Hmm. And then of course, Barry Bonds would go to win th- go on to win three more to have seven
2: for his career. Hmm. Now, is that is that is that a question of concern? What do hmm. you mean, a question of yeah, concern? You know.
0: I mean, the, the way, come on now. Do uh, do we count those? Yeah. I mean, do we know Thank what? Do, do we know what year yeah. he started no. using Better steroids? Right yeah. No, I no. mean, no, no. But I, I mean, mean, how long? How long was he going you know, for during those times that he got MVPs? I mean, you know, it, it's nice to have a little extra chemistry in your body.
2: Yeah. Um, but but a a point, as we but, t- but as we've talked know, about it's before, on, it's, 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 it's
1: a it's an on and an off thing. You mm-hmm. have the pros, you have the cons. You do. If your if your reaction time is slowed because of the PEDs you're taking, all those home runs could have been straight popups. I saw they could expense. have been. Yeah.
2: Spence, let me ask you a question on these on these wonderful little uh, chemistry questions. Did you see that in college baseball?
3: You know, I never did. Uh, there was rumors um, when I was playing, kind of towards the tail end that there was one school, um, kind of in the Midwest where players were starting to experiment with it. Um, but, uh, I never personally saw it with any of the guys I played with, whether that be at ball or in summer ball, but, um, towards the end of my career, I think because of, you know, the kind of well-known, you know, idea out there that a lot of the major league guys were, were trying it and having success with it. Um, you know, you saw some of the younger players say, well, I'm going to give it a shot and, and you know, take my chances. Um, so I, I definitely think it was out there. Uh, but I, I never personally, you know, saw anyone taking it. So anything.
2: in the lock, when when the, when a new class comes in and it's fall season baseball, how do you present that to the uh, athletic student body?
3: Well, the nice thing is, is uh, you know, starting probably – it was probably about the mid-2000s just as I was getting into coaching. You know, that's when they started the random drug testing on a pretty, you know, fairly consistent basis. Uh, most guys would get drug tested randomly, you know, between one and three times a year. Um, but, you know, our athletic training staff always did a really good job of of letting the kids know, you know, the dangers of not just taking steroids, but just all the different supplements that are out there and, you know, what most of those supplement companies are not fda regulated so you you really don't know what you're putting in your body Mm -hmm. um you know so whether that be creatine or you know protein shakes or whatever um we always just tried to, to make sure the guys know that you know they had to be careful about what they were putting in their body and not be careless about it because the worst thing you'd want to do is be taking something and get tested positive you know test positive for something and you really have no idea. It's an honest mistake. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, that was the responsibility of the players to, to make sure that they were, you know, not taking anything they weren't supposed to.
0: Yeah. No, educated. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, because sometimes you don't know. You don't know what you're what, what you're taking or mm-hmm. you know what you were handed or you know anything. And I, I feel like during the steroid era, and and I think there were a lot of people that were taking them because they knew what they were doing. But I think that there was also a lot of influence on, in terms of some other players. And I can't really name off those other players or who, you know, was really taking what, but I think there was a lot of confusion back then. Yeah, I mean, you
1: have the players that, you know, I don't want to say still deny taking steroids, but they say, you know, I was, you know, prescribed this and I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was right. or the team doctor gave me this and I really didn't know what it was for. Right. Um, you know, I I don't know whether or not we can fully believe that all the time, because I'm sorry if the team doctor's giving it to you, the team doctor could tell you what this is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't plead ignorance on that one. Yeah. No, not really. No. But uh, before we move on to our uh, other segments, uh, we just want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor for the show, Century Mortgage Lending. Oh, they're great. Oh, they are fantastic. I um, mean, really. I mean, I I don't own a home personally, but I know. Why not? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I got I got. I barely spend time en- enough at home, <laughs> Peter, that <I laughs> there's no point of me looking for a house right now. But it's a great time if you're looking to uh, get a loan for your home or if you need any advice. Century Mortgage Lending, uh, give Elizabeth and Paul a call at 248-258-4977. That's 248-258-4977. 497 send them. Send them an email. They're really great people. Info at CenturyML.com or check out their website, CenturyML.com. Uh Century Mortgage Lending. Their NMLS number is 134525. Located in Birmingham, Michigan. They are fantastic people over there. Go ahead and give them a call. Tell them that baseball mainly and NRM Streamcast sent sent you and you know get get, get finance. Get get a loan buy a home today, because right now it's the best time. Did you hear that, everybody? Century
2: Mortgage Lending, the place to be for your home mortgage. That's right. So It's great. You know, It's great to own a home, you know? Yeah, where'd you get your home mortgage from, <laughs> well, Peter? I mean, we, just we, we, we just built we it. Not just the finished, we the sponsor of the show. For Century Mortgage Lending, I want to apologize because I did not take out a mortgage at all. Um, and the
1: but the you've been person, home-
0: you've been
2: a homeowner for a long
0: time. Oh, though, Peter. Yeah, we, we, have. we do need
1: I mean, to address the big elephant in the room. Ooh, Ethan. When, when no, <laughs> no 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 <laughs> the tenant when, the no, tenant in the when, house. <laughs> when when the process of building the house was oh, started. Go. Got a violin. Um, oh boy, there you know the he, he kept saying six months. Uh-huh. Six months. Right. Three years later, six the months. house is done. Well. Maybe there's just Peter. You had
0: add-ons,
2: right?
1: No,
0: you had the, no, no. <laughs> no.
2: But I'm we're trying to help your case here. No, but you know the, the whole thing is—it is a challenge whenever you build. Sure. And but if I was like going from house A to B, mm-hmm. then Century Mortgage Lending is my place to be. That's right. And that's how I look at it. Because they're and good people over there. They're, they're great. They listen to your
0: concerns and they work it to you. So that you have a comfort zone when getting the mortgage, and you understand it's a big thing. I think that's a, another thing why yeah. somebody my age or somebody Ethan's age, who's not as of right now buying a home, but we don't I'm ha- looking. I don't know what type of questions we I'm have. looking. But if you call up and you ask, and you talk to Elizabeth or Paul, the, yeah. they'll help yeah. you out. I think so, it's great. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on, Ethan. All right, what do you got?
1: Yeah, so uh, end of last week, we had the final two uh, seasonal awards given out, those being the Cy Young and the MVP. And uh, in the American League, the Cy Young went to Justin Verlander, taking 17 of the... 1st place votes. Mm-hmm. His uh, his teammate Garrett Cole collected the other thirteen. Mm-hmm. But um, did they get this right or
0: did they get this wrong, Corey? Did, I think that did I Justin think Verlander deserved the. Uh, I think Hans, Cy Young. I think like we talked about on the show previously. I think he got they got it right this time, and uh, and I'm still a little sour over when Porcello won over him. But this time I think they got it right because Justin Verlander changed his dynamic of how he pitched. It was his first full year with the Houston Astros. Second year, full second year with the Houston Astros. Second full year. Second full year. It's all right. and was able to overcome a lot of the doubt that a lot of people had about him. His velocity's going down. He can't work his sliders. His he, his, mm-hmm. his changeups just terrible. But I mean, a 2.58 ERA. He had a no-hitter in the season, which was huge. Against Toronto, yeah, yeah, crazy because he had one against Toronto when he was with Detroit. He's the only player to have thrown two no hitters at the same road stadium. Twenty-one and six record. Now, granted, that was we can get into that later in the segment of why that record stands. I think, but I mean, honestly, and he was a workhorse in the playoffs, and that's what he goes Mm -hmm. for each year. Is he's working towards the playoffs, and then he gets there and he does it. Now, granted, this is all in season playoffs should not matter a lot of people are like well you know Garrett cole did really well in the playoff it doesn't matter when it comes to these awards the cy young is about the season and he had a hell of a season that warranted him winning another cy young yep and uh spencer what is your your take on this
3: yeah i I think it could have gone either way but uh certainly you know i kind of agree justin was dominant you know throughout the whole whole season um was a was a true workhorse number one starter. Uh gave his team a chance to win pretty much every time he took the hill. Um I thought it I thought it was well deserved, you know. Obviously like like was mentioned, it's a regular season award and I know he struggled a little bit in the World Series, but um he was really, really outstanding throughout the whole whole year.
1: And Peter, your two cents?
2: Well no, I <laughs> my my two cents is oh, wow. uh, two Lincolns on the face up here. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh there is no doubt in my mind that he was the work ho- the workhorse, um, and like you said earlier, let's forget about anything after the actual season ended, because uh, he has a different persona at that point for some reason, mm-hmm. and we just don't know why it happens. But yeah. it does. And uh, but during the season, he he's more than just a pitcher. If you watch him on the bench. Uh, he's a motivator mm-hmm. he's the first on the rail
0: when there's a big play going on huge clubhouse leader so that is a big key to motivating any team that's a great point peter that's a really good point because a lot of people don't look at they look at the stats but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily look at the player sometimes and and you're absolutely right verlander has always been that teammate whatever team he's been on he's always had people's backs he's always the first one usually shouting and yelling i mean mm-hmm the the scu- the scrums that happened in Detroit when you know with the whole New York like scuffle mm-hmm. and all that stuff you always saw Verlander he never cowered and that shows a lot to the person that he is and you know not only did he you know win the Cy
1: Young he also received uh, a few votes for MVP he finished eleventh in the MVP voting mm-hmm. we'll talk about MVP in a minute because mm-hmm. the National League Cy Young Award winner went to Jacob DeGrom for the second straight year. And an interesting fact is last year he won it with 10 wins. Mm-hmm. This year he lives, wins it with 11. He, um, next year's a 12. He, whoa. <laughs> he has set the record the last two years for the fewest amount of wins uh-huh. while winning the Cy Young. And shockingly, but not shocking in my opinion, Max Scherzer finished third in the Cy Young voting. Why? Why is that not shocking to me? Yeah. Because even though Scherzer's numbers looked good, he didn't look dominant all year long. He, sure. I know he had a few injuries, mm-hmm. but he, compared to his past few years, he was not the, the workhorse, the ace, the guy who is going to dominate
2: for nine innings. Sure. Um, but you're 11 and eight pitcher here. So but, what makes you so unique at an 11, if you're looking at 11 and eight, mm-hmm. why are you so unique? Because even though that record is not great, you put you
1: put jacob de on another team mm-hmm. another contender that record could have easily been 17 and 4 yeah in easily. my opinion so you're saying i mean steven strasburg's record reflected how he did so yes. he died with the offense he yeah he died yeah. with the offense he well, did I agree well and yeah, the defense on was
0: not up to snuff the whole no, year no no I mean yeah. his strikeouts you know um, Scherzer's strikeout ratio to to balls watch was mm-hmm. was significant I mean he always dominates around around you know the corners and everything and just has a, a violent whip with his with his fastball but uh, I, I I actually agree with you on this one like I I wasn't shocked that he placed third in 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 the voting mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So, Spencer, what do you think about all this?
3: You know, it's it's funny with baseball. Um, certain certain pitchers seem to get the run support, and uh, certain guys it just seems like every time they they take the hill, even though they're you know pitching great and you know only giving up a run or two, for whatever reason the offense uh, their offense struggles to to give them that support. So, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, I ultimately think that wins are a little bit more important than maybe. Uh, you know, obviously all the sabermetrics and everything moving, you know, has kind of evolved everything, but uh, you know, for me you got to win win the games. I agree that Jacob Adorn would probably you know, have won 18 to 20 games, you know, if he would have gotten a little bit of run support, but uh, you know, I understand why he won it but I, I think I would have given it to, to somebody that had a few more W's.
2: Who would you have gone with?
3: I probably would have gone with Scherzer. Hmm. Um, I agree, he he have a few little lulls throughout the season but um you know the strikeout to walk ratio is is amazing mm-hmm. and uh you know the, the second half run that the nationals went on um you know between scherzer and strasburg both those guys you know mm-hmm. really led the way um you know having having those two guys and then corbin thrown in there um they made him really tough there in that second half of the year
1: mm-hmm. and and that was the big uh shock to me was when the the uh, results were announced. Hyunjin Ryu finished second. He had a great first half, and he, he really did. tapered off heavily in the second half. Right. A guy like Steven Strasburg was dominant the whole year. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, okay, if DeGrom wins it, could Strasburg be the one finishing in second? Because sure. in my opinion, Strasburg's record, Strasburg's numbers, mm-hmm. reflected his season a lot better than what, Steve, or than what Max Scherzer had. Max Scherzer's numbers look good, but he was not the dominant Max Scherzer of years past. Right. Where Steven Strasburg put together probably his first complete season yeah. over the, in compared to the last few. Sure. And, of course, it doesn't hurt that, he's can now, that he opted out and is a free agent and can make a lot more money. Sure. So, Sounds
2: like Scherzer. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but now we jump to MVP, and in the American League, you know, the debate was really... Did Trout, you know, separate himself enough that these last few weeks of injury were going to help or hurt him? Uh, clearly, it helped. You know, it didn't hurt him because he collected 17 first-place votes and won his uh, third MVP.
0: Yeah, honestly, uh, uh, like I said in again in the previous show, I believe that Trout deserves these MVPs for a reason. He's a five-tool player. He he sits. He's a he's a clubhouse leader. He he's out there rooting. He keeps his nose clean. He goes out even when in injury, hits and plays and does it the right way. I mean, honestly, and it's sad because he doesn't have the pitching staff around him to get him to the where he needs to be in the playoffs, possibly winning a World Series. As a player, you have to look at him for the complete of what he's done, and he just continues to just rake. I mean, he has a very pure, he's a pure hitter. He has a great eye for everything. They, I mean, his walk ratio is really good. Um, but mm-hmm. I, honestly, I, I, if I, I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if Mike Trout went, continues to win the MVP in the AL. Each Why do you year. say that? Just because he's, I think he's utilized so well, and then having the supporting cast of, of you know, Pujols and um, yeah, Otani, and and having these other guys, and you could have a few more guys. Could after a few this more year. guys after this year, but. For him to still shine in 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 a lot of talent in the on the hitting side, that's that says a lot. I mean, it really does. It says a lot for a player like that. And he mm-hmm. and you see a little wear and tear happening, you know, as he's getting older. But I mean, he's still young. I mean, he's 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 going to continue to be that guy. I, I, he's gonna be that next. Year. He's gonna be the face of baseball, if not already.
1: Yeah, and I mean the big, the big thing is he already signed an extension with the. Angels, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were questioning whether he would, because to him, is it going to be winning most important, or was it going to be the loyalty to the team, and that eventually we're going to get there? Mm -hmm. He's proven it's the loyalty to the city, the loyalty to the team, Mm -hmm. and the belief that one day the Angels will be back into uh, competing for the World Series year in and year out. Spencer, uh, what's your take on Mike Trout winning the MVP over a guy like Alex Bregman?
3: Yeah, no, it's the kind of the same old debate. You know, is it the most valuable player? You know, is it the best player or is it the most valuable player to their team and their success? Um, normally I would lean towards, you know, a guy that's coming from a team that's competing for the championship or, you know, at least top half of the league. But, uh, you know, I think it's pretty well known throughout baseball that Mike Trout's the best player in baseball, plays hard, um, puts up numbers, you know, every year. Um, so in this in this case, I, I you know he certainly deserves it. Uh, Bregman had an outstanding year as mm-hmm. well, but Mike Trout's the most dominant player in the game. Um, you know, like was mentioned, hits for average, hits for power, gets on base, plays really good defense at center field. Um, just kind of does, does it all. You know, Felt mm-hmm. like a linebacker, runs runs like a deer. Um, <laughs> he is the best you know player um, that we've seen in, in quite a while. So. He's, he's special, that's for sure.
2: Yeah,
1: and then and then we jump to the National League, and you know we don't even have to leave the city for the National League MVP, and that's Cody Bellinger uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who put together a complete season, mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't help, it doesn't hurt that Christian Yelich' season ended a few weeks before. With the uh, broken kneecap,
0: that's that's a tough one in the NL because there was a lot of great players um, like Yelich, but you know Cody had a he put up numbers this year and he has in the past, so it's 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 nice. I I honestly believe that that was the right call too. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's just he's he plays it the right way and uh he doesn't seem to make too many waves that's for me the biggest thing is as a player most valuable player and that that's playing the game but I think you have to be a person at that same yeah you have to you have to represent mm-hmm. MVP as a person too well and unlike the other
1: finalists Cody Bellinger is the only guy that can play multiple positions on the field yeah he plays center he plays right he plays first base mm-hmm. um you know Yelich is strictly the you know, left or right fielder, right, and Rendon third base. I mean, sure. he probably could play other places in the infield, but third base is where he's been locked in. And um, who knows if these two will be, you know, the, you know, 2020
2: MVPs. Well, I have a yeah. question on Mike Trout. I want to go back to Mike sure. Trout. you're going to pay him all this money on the renewal, mm-hmm. you know, so we're going to extend a contract. Sounds like the Cabrera story. Yeah, a little bit. And. The only difference is. He can run? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, how much money are we going to throw out there based on longevity? I mean, yes, his name brings you people to the stadium. Sure. Name recognition. We're going to get that. But as soon as the next injury comes and he's on the bench or he's IR somewhere, Mm -hmm. what happens? I mean, the dollars are there. But all of a sudden, are we getting carried away? And there's these extensions to a certain extent. No, I see. I I see
0: where you're coming with that, but I honestly feel like there's a Cabrera. When we signed him to that contract, he was doing crazy things. mm -hmm. Triple Crown winner, MVP. I mean, he was just doing crazy things. With Trout, I always feel like he's got a little bit more athleticism to him. That he's able to recover a little quicker, he's smarter about how he goes about his routine. Um, you know, he's he's doesn't put on weight and then loses it and then puts on weight again and then has to play third base and the first base. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, he'll become a very dominant, uh, uh, you know, designated hitter when he gets yeah. older. So what's your definition? How long do you think he'll go? I think he'll go into his... I think he'll go into... Uh, you see it right around, what, 30, 31 when you start to see the decline in most yeah. players. Yeah,
1: and I mean, his injuries, you know, ironically, have not been lower body. They've been, you know, breaking of the hand, yeah, breaking right. of the thumb. Hey, Spencer,
2: right. that's your field. <laughs> no, help me out here, buddy. Help me. What do you think?
3: You know, it's it's... It's interesting uh it seems like, I think with all professional sports, but baseball especially, there's, you know, the risk-reward of, you know, giving out those big, long contracts um, as opposed to keeping some, some payroll flexibility. and um, I think a lot of it depends on how comfortable you are with your development system. You yeah. know, are you, as an organization, consistently, you know, putting out younger players because those younger players are going to play big roles for lower prices. So, you know, if you do have a guy like Trout, you know, can you surround them with some 24 to 27 year old guys that you drafted and developed through your minor leagues, um, you know, that might be making a couple million dollars a year as opposed to, you know, being like the Yankees were maybe in the, the late nineties or two thousands, where it's a bunch of guys with high big contracts all the around the field. Um, you know, that's, that's the big thing, I think, but from the Angels' perspective. Unfortunately, they just haven't developed a whole lot of talent around him. Um, You know, obviously Pujols was a nice signing at the time, but I'm sure if you had to look back at what they did with that one, um, they might rethink that one because, you know, the production that they've gotten out of him for the money they paid him really hasn't, you know, panned out. And... uh you know, I'm sure it's limited them with some some other opportunities they wanted to look at. But um, these past few years,
1: mm-hmm. well, and another big difference though, in what the Trout deal was versus a deal like Cabrera. With a deal like Cabrera, you already had some big names here. That contract was to you know keep your contending window as long as you possibly could. True. Out west, it's more if you're the Los Angeles Angels, if you. Lose Mike Trout, you lose relevancy. You do. You lose fans. Mm -hmm. You lose, you know, you lose that income. Mm -hmm. Um, And they could not afford to lose once in a generation talent Mm -hmm. in Mike Trout. Yeah, you can't afford to lose those fans, and um, because you you don't know when you're going to be contending again.
0: True, very true. I I and and I honestly think Peter he'll go into his mid 30s or so and. You'll start to see the decline, but I don't think it's going to be as significant as you'd see it as like how Pujols did it or how Cabrera did it. Because eventually, you knew that they were just hitters. I just looked yeah. at the injury factor. Too. Yeah, that, the injury, that was No, out. that's always something you have mm-hmm. to look at yeah. when it comes to a player of that of that caliber, right. because not everybody's going to stay healthy their entire career. So Heck. What do you got on that agenda there in front of you, uh, boss? So
1: we're gonna jump because uh, yesterday the twenty twenty Baseball Hall of Fame ballot was released oh. and you got some new names on here. You got some returning ones. Mm-hmm. Let me see, let me and see. it's um you I know don't see my name. Yeah, what, no <laughs> It's under
0: no. Kurt Schilling. <laughs> <laughs> Gary but, Sheffield
2: <laughs> way on the bat. <laughs> but uh,
1: you know uh, a relative, not a relative, a person from <laughs> Corey's hometown <laughs> is on this list for the first time. I wish I was really. And, oh, yeah, uh, Jeter, Jeter. and he Kalamazoo. will more than well. likely be the next unanimous Hall of Famer Hands unless down. something unprecedented happens, and that's obviously
0: Derek Jeter. I'm doubtful. I mean, the only thing that I can honestly scrutinize Derek Jeter is. He went in and bought the Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something really stupid. Yeah, it's like you're smarter than that. Come on, Jeter. But then you got some
1: other names on here that are returning, like Larry Walker, mm-hmm. who has steadily progressed each year in the Hall of Fame voting. And I know a lot of Rockies fans that are like, Larry Walker should already be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. You know, they're scrutinizing it because he played in Colorado, mm-hmm. but. You know the numbers he put up; they show that he should be a Hall of Famer, and I think that's a name that a lot of people don't pay attention to when yeah. it comes to a Hall of Fame candidacy. Then you got your guys like Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Curt uh, mm. Schilling; they've all steadily progressed. Remember, mm. you only need seventy—you need to be listed on seventy-five percent of the ballots. Right. Any chance one of them gets in this year?
2: And if so, who? Hmm. I don't see any of them. No, nope. I really don't. I still think that there's a hard on. Yeah, I
0: I'm think serious. so too. I I, true. I think that it's gonna reg- it's gonna stay with them for a long time, and it has. I mean, you obviously have seen it. So now they have progressed. Yeah, so they may
2: progress, the, but they've clouded. It's clouded.
1: It's very yeah. clouded. So the one name that has progressed the most has been Roger Clemens, who last year received was on sixty percent of the ballots. Yeah. I think there's a good chance maybe he doesn't get in this year, but he's listed on close to 65 to 70% of the sure. ballots.
0: I think he'll get closer, but I don't think there's ever going to be that tipping scale where he actually... Somebody says, everybody wins now. I mean, I guess, <laughs> there's some crazy names on here. Jose Valverde? Boy, I could see him getting in I, before Roger Clemens. I mean, you got also Omar Vizquel on here. That's true, but... He-
1: yeah. Yep. So, you got a lot of names on here. I think you're looking at a Hall of Fame class of possibly six guys. Yeah. Easily. And then of, course, Easily? then, of course, you got the name that my mother always loved. Oh, here you J.J. Go.
2: Putz. You know, I putz. knew that was coming. Putz. <laughs> putz. putz, come on up here, Putz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. oh, you got to believe him, I'll tell you. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, Jason Giambi, I mean, how many teams did he play with? You know, you take a look well, at some got, of these he, guys. Well, he got the A's and G- the the uh, a- 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 big one. Yeah. You know, you, got, you watch who's moved around a little bit. mm mm-hmm. um, you know, Sammy Sosa, you know. Uh, he, yeah, P E D. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. You know, so it's going to be interesting. Do I see six coming in? I really don't know if they want to be realistic about it. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, easily Derek Jeter is in. That's not Cl- an argument. Cliff Lee is
1: in. Yep. Manny Ramirez is one of the borderline that could very well be in. Is but it? maybe like at a seventy percent from the first year. On
0: he's the a, yeah, he's but he's yeah he's had a good track record. Yeah, I mean he was a part of that Boston team, mm-hmm. and you know he was putting up numbers. I mean, man, I just remembered that everybody wanted to be like Manny. So let me ask you a simple
2: question for the uh, for everybody that's listening today: What's the criteria to be on the list?
1: You have to be out of baseball for five years. That much I do know, mm-hmm. um, and then. From my understanding, it's you're you're on the first year, mm-hmm. and then if you don't receive, it's like I think ten percent of the vote. You're mm-hmm. left off. Yep. From then on, mm-hmm. if you receive at least ten percent of the vote, your first year on the ballot, you stay on until you don't receive ten percent. Sure. And when and does, then if you run out of your time frame, which
2: is ten years, right. and when does the voting end? When is this gonna? What is our drop dead um, I, date? I
1: believe they, I don't know. The writers got their ballot. It sounded like not too long ago, and the Hall of Fame induction is typically in July. Okay. Hmm. So we typically get the results beginning of the season. So I'm not sure when they have to have them in by. I know they're not they're not supposed to release who they voted for until the class writers and media personnel that will tweet out. Here's my ballot. Here's who I voted for. <laughs> Which I don't mind looking at, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: I mean it's a big event. Again, so we do. and that's the Michigan Sneaker Exchange put on by our friends, uh, from Labels and Logos, Juan, Jake, Julian. Uh they also own Lou's Cannon flagship in Ferndale store. They have amazing shoes down there. Uh, But they're going to be putting on the Michigan Sneaker Exchange, uh, hosted at TCF Center, used to be Kobo Center. It will be in attendance, swapping sneakers and showing off the latest trends in fashion. December 7th, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Got to go check them out. Uh, $20 admission online or at the door all the way, I think, up to, well, at the door, obviously, when Mm -hmm. you go. But uh, online all the way up to the actual date of December. Tickets are available and tables if you want to have a table uh, at Michigan Sneaker X with an X. Change.com. So go ahead and check it out. It's a great event. I've been to a whole bunch of these and uh, it gets really interesting. And actually, if you are into Disney Plus, there's a new show Jeff Goldblum just came out with uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. His first episode (laughs) was about sneaker exchanges and the sneaker world. So it's very interesting. And there's a lot of Mm -hmm. Interesting things about sneaker exchanges. And that's December 7th at TCF TCF Center, Yep. so you can go on and and check it out um, at michigansneakerexchange.com.
1: I think I heard Tom Masoway is going to be exchanging his uh, New Balances? Five thirty (laughs)
2: three dollars New Balances. Oh, no. Someone's actually going to wear them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I I I thought you were going to. Yeah, Tom Mazaway. No, no. Tom's got big feet. Tom's got bigos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God. Oh, here, I love folks, it. Dead jokes. <laughs> Dead jokes. I love it.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, Ethan, there's Peter. a lot of new uh, <laughs> in baseball, because you're talking about baseball, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, Jess, today? You know, I'm not really sure.
1: I know he's out of town for a week. You just, <laughs> he, just said he's at fantasy camp. I'm not sure if you were pulling my chain or if that's actually where he's at. You're
0: just playing it for the camera. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Tell me
2: about that
1: 80-degree weather yeah. down in
0: sunny Florida. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, don't
2: tell us about that or else you know we may just come down and join you. Yeah, right. Now, um, with everybody in the studio, starting uh, with Spencer, have you been to a fantasy baseball camp?
3: I've never been to Fantasy Camp. Um, not a lot of people that have gone and done it, and uh, it sounds like it's a great experience, um, you know, not only to get to meet all the, the pros, but I think he, a lot of people make really good friends, um, you know, and really not to mention 80 degree weather. So mm-hmm. I've heard, heard a lot of good things about it.
0: And, Corey, have you ever been there? I've never been to a fantasy, no. But, uh, you know, being on this show and learning more about things I'm willing to do it. I do want to point out, Corey, that we did go to a fantasy
1: camp event. Event, we yeah. We did the fantasy camp batting practice, practice. down at Comerica, Comerica, Comerica
2: Park.
1: Park. And how was um, that? Um, We're not a, talking a, wait about wait that. Wait a minute.
0: It was good. Come on now, guys. It was fun. I He tried hitting... Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. So they're, like, going right-handed at first. So yeah. I take... Left-handed. I am left-handed. Okay. Uh-huh. And then I turn to go left-handed, and I forget who was throwing that day. I do, too. And um, he's like, why are you batting right-handed? And then he sees Corey over there with the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> um, I get it. Yeah. But then the last pitch-eye piece of it, thankfully. A little bit, yeah. And... Uh, but let's just not talk about
2: that. That was <laughs> no. not
0: a, uh, yeah, there's a good foot, there's footage of. Have you
2: hmm. ever done batting practice at Comerica, Spencer?
3: At Comerica, but I've never, never hit at Comerica. Oh, okay. So when I was at Eastern Michigan, we, uh, we played Michigan State there a couple times, uh, like on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Um, so, yeah, so we, we got a chance to, to play in the stadium a few times. So it was, it was a lot of fun.
2: So that fantasy for the moment, I mean, that's reality. What did it feel like to walk on the field? for that, you know, with all your team from Eastern at the time, what was what was it like? Are they starstruck at the moment, walking into a 50,000-seat stadium?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I think the, from the player's perspective, just excitement. You know, um, obviously, you know, it's just one of 56 games, but uh, that's something that, you know, they'll always remember. Um, the majority of our kids were, you know, from, you know, the Michigan area, so – Grew up Tiger fans, and, uh, you know, just to to be in the dugout, you know, we were in the Tigers dugout, home dugout, you know, so to see, you know, their locker room and see, you know, their dugout and where they keep the ball, it's a really good experience for, for all our guys.
1: And then, you know, let's talk a little bit about college baseball real quick, because depending on, you know, where you're at in college baseball, you know, the opportunities, the different ways of traveling, the different places you... Go and play at, They they vary, so I want to know, Spencer, what was your favorite memory of that college baseball uh, world? You know, was it a, a specific place you guys played at, um, a team you played?
3: Yeah, um, beautiful stadiums. Um, you know, whether that be University of Tennessee had a really nice stadium back when I played. Um, I think they've just renovated it. Um, you know, played at Oklahoma State, East Michigan, Michigan State. Ohio State, um, you know, some really, really neat facilities. Um, you know, memory-wise, as a coach, we won the, the Mid-American Conference Tournament in 2013 um, over in Avon, Ohio. Um, so that's probably my, my favorite memory, um, just the, the excitement of winning the tournaments and knowing you're going to, you know, go to regionals the, the, the following weekend. Um, that, was, that was probably the, the, my favorite memory of coaching or playing.
1: Yeah, and I I gotta say my my best experience, my favorite stadium to to uh, be a part of going to was uh, down at Texas A and M. That crowd <laughs> is
0: uh, uh, that crowd
1: is something else. You know, you you throw four straight balls and you're not gonna be hearing the end of it for a while until until yeah. you throw a strike. until you yeah. throw yeah. a
0: strike. I think we got up to six balls in a row. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever play? Did you? Did you no. no. Old Miss is, is not in. You guys never no, played. No, no, Mississippi. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our,
1: our first road trip, my first road trip, first year, was to Southeast Missouri State. Oh, uh-huh. in the wind. Uh-huh. And um, it was 34 degrees before wind chill. Mm-hmm. It was about 28 degrees, 20, 26 to 28 degrees with the wind chill. Mm-hmm. My butt froze to <laughs> the metal bench. I'm not kidding. And it was a doubleheader. My butt froze to the middle near to the. So I thought you were
0: going to say you split your pants or no, something. Okay. I was shocked they didn't
1: split my pants. You know what it was,
2: though? We get the phone call. It is so cold. And then this <laughs> bus ride me. coming back. You know, Excuse me? It's like unbelievable.
0: Oh, I love it. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, man. What was
2: your favorite bus ride? I got uh, my I know my uh, least favorite.
3: The nice thing about Bowling Green is once you got in the max play, we were kinda right in the middle of everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were too far of this bus trip for Buffalo and Northern Illinois.
2: Yeah, northern um, Illinois. Yeah.
3: I didn't I didn't mind the bus too much being a shorter guy, but uh yeah, how some of those six six pitchers or you know, bigger guys, you know, cramming that bus for six, seven hours, uh I uh, I wouldn't want to be them, so it's one of the few advantages of being five eight is, is being a little bit more comfortable on the bus. Mm.
1: <laughs> and then I will say, the, the bus trip back from uh, Florida was the absolute worst. 23 hours wow. on the bus, <laughs> while from Winter Haven back to Bowling Green, and uh, while it was great weather, great experience down there, I get that bus ride, and
3: yeah. Wow. You can only watch so many movies, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then when, then when put, and then when
1: you're put in charge of picking the movie and thrilled with it, and the other half is like, what were we thinking? It, 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 uh-huh. ju- it just puts a little bit of pressure on sure. you to
2: pick the right movie. Well, yeah. So, real quickly, um, free
1: agency. Big names are Garrett Cole, Rendone, and uh, you know, you got Steven Strasberg along with Madison Bumgarner, but Garrett Cole. What he does, will itching free agent market. Yeah. And honestly, I don't see him signing anywhere until maybe closer to the the new year. Probably. He'll, he'll wait his time out. He'll Here. hear everybody out. But, you know, we've had a great show. We uh, briefly, you know, talked about, you know, college baseball. We talked about, you know, the last two awards being handed out. We didn't even get to talk about the Houston Astros sign stealing, yeah. which there has been an interesting development in. But we will talk about that next week mm-hmm. on uh, Baseball Mainly. So on behalf of Corey, Peter, Spencer, thank you for coming on. And Jess. Jess and was and in our hearts. Yeah. Jess, Jess was and great. Yep. And Jess <laughs> <just> in <laughs> our think... spirits. Uh, we want to say, uh, Spencer, thank you for coming on. It was great having you on. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. So that is going to be it for this episode of Baseball Mainly. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday as we talk Houston Astros sign-stealing saga.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's play two.